Hello, Tim. Well, hello, Ryan. <laughs> Funny seeing you here. What and, uh, a weird coincidence. Well, while we're here, Tim. You just appeared on my computer screen. I did. I did. It's been a while. And hello, everyone who may be joining us. We are, wel- we, we are happy to have you here. We welcome you here. Where is here? This is Dismembering Horror, the podcast shoe where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we dismember a horror film. Every week we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we, Ryan McDuffie and Tim Aslan, found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. Isn't that right, Tim? Boy, is that right. <laughs> and we have now left Scream-tober after covering all four Aww. Scream movies. Right? How sad. We'll, we'll be back for Scream 5 someday, I'm sure. Oh. But, oh, yeah, uh, I keep avoiding... I, I keep seeing little, like, um, headlines and, and, like, news articles of things that are happening on the set of Scream 5 and what it means... <laughs> Right. I keep like trying not to read it. I'm like, no, avert your eyes. Ditto. I want to know. So, so just to take a little bit of time to sort of uh, do some um, some retrospective to our retrospective, Tim, of Scream. Yeah. Funny <laughs> that you mentioned that. I did see like a fake Scream 5 trailer that, you know, someone oh, made using from like the TV show footage and, you know, footage of the, yeah. the actors, Scream 4 footage, whatever. And um, it was it looked like it was kind of the story that we were coming up with of it being more of like a multiple uh, ghost face killers, like kind well, of shit, springing dog. up. <laughs> we, they must have listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just out there, up there, in there, you know. Um, but Tim, wait, kind of are like, you trying to say that our ideas aren't critically unique? Correct. <laughs> well, wow. They're unique, but maybe not unto us. Right. As all ideas are. Uh, but did, I, I kind of like what we did last year, Tim, reflecting back on having watched a series of films. Do you have any just kind of parting words, some just sort of reflective thoughts on how on what the films mean to you now after this latest viewing? I think that there are some things to, to take away. One, uh, strike while the iron is hot, right? It served them in making the second movie, like, right away. Mm-hmm. Two, do not get rid of the writer. <laughs> and three, time helps a lot of the time, right? Having a gap. So it's sort of both ends of that idea of, like, strike where the iron is hot, but also when like know when it's time to take a break and like come back around to it and i think that those things really served the franchise and you know now we're we're getting another version of that break with the original writer right or no 
Is Kevin Williamson doing five? He's executive producing. Okay, so we'll find out if that how that works because it'll be kind of a combination of three and four in that sense right time off but like not having the original writer so if if you were going to be you know really kind of hardcore about what i said initially that keep the original writer and allow time this will determine whether or not what i just said has any uh basis (laughs) no i agree i was kind of like think we did say at the end of last episode like i'm totally fine with just them making a new scream every 15 years to like Mm, (laughs) you know mm -hmm. like that's how to do it it serves itself for that yeah (laughs) it yeah i think once the the first pop happened the third one probably the third movie probably didn't need to happen whatever it was 2 years later you know what i mean like that one they probably could have honestly that that movie could perfectly well not exist and i think the 1 2 and 4 would be like a very good <laughs> trilogy so and i should say tim i do have something to share from a friend and listener that i thought could be at least for now, a fun little send-off for the Scream series. And uh, if should you should you care to hear it? I'd love to read it. I, God, I would be thrilled. So this is actually all about, remember we were touching up on the title and we mentioned how, um, in Things of Note, how the original title for Scream was Scary Movie. That's right. So this is, this is sort of breaking down why. Uh, Scream is the far better title uh, than Scary Movie in a way that we didn't quite get at. And so this is from our dear friend and listener, Jesse, who is a person of languages who is both studied and enthused with linguistics and language. So Mm -hmm. he's able to offer us that perspective. So here we go. First off, the title Scary Movie only operates on the level of minking, winking meta description. It's a scary movie about scary movies, get it? And while it points to the more playful, self-reflexive elements of the film, that's about all it's doing. In fact, Scary Movie is a much better title for the 2000 Scream spoof Scary Movie due to the irony of it not actually being a scary movie at all. Scream, on the other hand, does a lot more work as a title. The word scream is both a noun and a verb, and the title plays on that semantic ambiguity. It commands the characters and audience alike to do the very thing the movie is about, to scream a scream, to react in fear. But we don't just scream when, we, when we're scared. We also scream when we're having fun. Think riding a roller coaster, cheering for a favorite team, or coming down with a bad case of Beatlemania. We scream for both chills and thrills. And while the characters in the movie only perform one kind of scream, we as the audience get to do both. In this way, the title plays on the tonal variation of a film that knows it's both terrifying and a hell of a good time all at once. There may be no other scary movie that captures this balance as perfectly as Scream, and the film's title sets us up for this fun, frightening, meta experience from the get-go. Nailed it. Thanks, Jesse. It's it's spot on. Absolutely. Great. Well, 
As much as I'd love to just keep talking about Scream, we're back to our regular scheduled programming this week with Mm. a hat pull film we watched and are going to be talking about our bud Nicholas Pesci's film Piercing from 2018. Isn't that right, Tim? Boy. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is right. Great. I don't. Well, I, I'm a little um, at a loss for words, but let's uh, <laughs> let's get into it. All right, we're gonna get into it here, as we always do, by watching the trailer first. So here it is from 2018, piercing. I seem to have left something in my room. Have a good night, sir. playing off in one of three ways. You want to know? Oh, yeah, of course. That's why I called him. The victim has to be a prostitute. Your guess is on the way up. Thank you. The first step is to get her tied up and gagged. She'll probably try to run and scream. Is everything all right, sir? Everything's fine. You could still kill her. What? <laughs> First one, she knows what's going on. I want a way to remember this. She's being fake. The second one is that she's like crazy and wants to die. So take her home and stop her, right? Yeah. Wait, what's the third? Piercing film. <laughs> All right, Timbo, per our rating system. Would Tim tell Tim to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Tim would tell Tim, ooh, you know, it's close. It's a real close one, but I'm going to still say it's a rent. But it's almost a buy. Yeah, it's almost a buy. It almost gets there for me. Not quite, but it got real close. Got it, got it. Well, I'll agree with that. Rating, rent it. I said rent it because the 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 <laughs> the it of it I just loved. The God, I mean the, the setting, performances, just all these outward things were just so mm. cool and interesting and you know, just left of center enough to really yeah. engage me in a film. It's actually like that's one of the things that I really liked about this. Literally left of center shots <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well shot um so all that stuff but it could just be i don't know wanting to see uh, needing to see it again but i i mm. was very much left wanting more in a not Agreed. good way that that's you know. actually why it didn't hit a buy for me yeah it's specifically and- that i was like ready for it to really go to the the far end of oh shit and it ends yeah and i yeah i kind of get it i think i get why as a as a storyteller <laughs> and why cuz this is based on a a novel right i'm pretty sure it is yep it and is <clears throat> obviously i i haven't read it so if if the novel ends like the movie abruptly then that's what you do so you you know you're bound to that but right. 
I think that I, I agree with you. It, it, as a movie, felt like it was asking or we were asking for more. Well, from the little digging I did, um, so yeah, it's based on the novel Piercing by Ryumur Akami, who is not an unfamiliar name to us because we uh, dismembered Audition one of our favorites. Mm. And that's based on his book, Audition. So you can see some similarities now. Um, But from what I gathered that the book has, it's just, you get a lot more of, I don't know if it's just their inner monologue or their backstory, but there's just a whole nother layer that you get of their character that just isn't happening here. And I just feel like I couldn't help but think there's just something that needed to be filmically done to just lift sure. what the, the book was doing that's not going on here. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I I always am kind of fascinated by the ways that filmmakers and, and screenwriters choose to translate a book into film because – I think, well, I don't know if you agree with this. My opinion is is that you can't, you just simply cannot do a one-to-one, you know, translation of a book to film. Like, it just doesn't work. You can't just take the dialogue from the book. You can't do every moment. It, 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 it It's a totally different medium. And so you have to figure out a way to make it a film and take the elements from the book or novel, you know, story and find out how to make a film, right? Like, you can't make a sculpture and then paint the sculpture, like make a painting of the sculpture and expect to have it have the same impact. It's different. It's a different medium. Um, And I think the examples that pop into my mind of times when filmmakers and writers were able to really, really take the core elements from a of a novel and turn it into almost its own thing but still retain the essence of the novel and have it become a great film like the one that always comes to mind is LA Confidential because the book and the movie are very very different monsters but at their core they're doing the same thing and telling the same story and it's it's a it's a really really challenging thing to do. Well, sorry, listeners, we didn't read this novel piercing as preparation for this discussion. <laughs> um, but yes, agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I don't do I don't prepare. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, Tim, in your state, whether you're prepared or not, you better be prepared just enough to give us our summary here. How about that? Oh, uh, okay. Here we go. Ready. Reed is in a is married and has a infant child and I think we get a pretty quick indication that he's not super satisfied with his life he decides that it's finally time to act on his long standing urges to kill somebody and he decides that it needs to be he he prepares for that so he 
He chooses to do it in a hotel. He chooses to get a prostitute. He plans it out. He tests how he's going to do it. He actually pantomimes going through it, all of the above, right? So how how did you gather that he <laughs> is just fulfilling a long-standing desire to kill? Well, he says so. <laughs> he literally says it. I because missed that. He's, he says... Uh, he says something to the effect of, I did this when I was, I think, a teenager, and I've and I've resisted doing it again until oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah, he, he says that, like, way down the line, but not at the yes. beginning. So, no, you're right. At the beginning, you really don't know. But what you do know is that he's having the urge. Because in yeah. the opening shot, you see him holding an ice pick over his infant daughter's chest like he's going to kill the kid, which is pretty upsetting, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And I think that actually really sets us up to go, OK, he's he's dealing with some stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I guess later down the line, you get the confirmation of sort of the 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 context of all of that. He so so he he's got he's got a plan. He's pretty. Um, what would you call it? He, he's he's uh not inept, but he's kind of a dope. Like he's is you know it's like it's like <laughs> it's kind of like the person who's like, what's the big deal? Baseball doesn't look that hard. I could go hit a home run. Wait, I didn't get that from his character at all. He seemed struck me more like he's the fastidious in his head, like over planner, you know, he like is, he is. But he when it when he's faced with actually following through and doing any of the things that he's fastidiously planned for and he's thrown to continue a horrible baseball analogy, he's thrown <laughs> the first curveball. He completely falls apart. Yeah. And like cannot recover. And it's like, yeah, dude, well, you're in you're in over your head. Like killing somebody is a, hard. He's thrown a very large curveball. <laughs> in his defense. Well, I mean, I think the first curveball, so the prostitute shows up and pretty much fucks with his plan right off the bat cuz he can't quite he's like planned how the conversation is going to go and it doesn't really go that way. And he kind of falls apart, and she's like, "Okay, well, I'm you're being weird, so I'm gonna go take a shower." You know what I mean? So, like, even right in the very first interaction they have, it it's it's not working. But then we get to the real. I would say he gets hit. Let's just keep it going. He gets hit by a pitch. Next, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. she spends a lot, this horrible. I hate I hate sports analogies. Just so we're clear that this actually make makes my stomach turn to using them (laughs) so he (laughs) she takes too long in the bathroom he he opens up and he discovers that she has been in there stabbing her thigh her quadricep repeatedly with scissors yeah looks like little scissors and so now we know we're in some pretty serious oh shit territory that he's not the crazy like he's the crazy one but he's not the only crazy one right 
And that and sort this, of is uh, <laughs> takes us down that road. That's right. So we get to we get to go down this long path with the two of them kind of playing tennis with their uh, their craziness yeah. and trying to figure out like, well, what what is real? What's in each other's like? What's an imagined thing? Because clearly both these people are suffering from some some form of psychosis, um, however you want to define it. And that's a fun ride. Um. And then we kind of – I think we kind of get into a more of a conversation about fetish and about pleasure and uh, what the boundaries of fetish sort of culture and, and S&M and BDSM B, – Jesus. B, how do you say this? BDSM. BDSM? Yep. Yeah, BDSM. Wow, that sounds <laughs> very The way you say it makes it mouth. sounds like it's – because you were saying it like a word and not just, you know, a letters. Yeah. BDS. You're saying BDSM. BDSM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a thing. Anyway, so BDSM. I think that that the movie really takes off at that point when we're when it becomes kind of this exploration of both really his psychosis and her worldview that revolves around fetishism well and it's you're starting it's a fun ride so yeah if you're starting to speak about how it's a fun ride is that our cue to to move to our next section here yeah well oh so i guess to end the summary um we really kind of get to that point of oh okay this is this is the two of them kind of coming to a uh, what would you call it it's kind of a almost a, an agreement of of where they're at in their two sort of mindsets mm-hmm. and then the movie ends and then it, so it feels like we've we haven't quite gotten and we well we don't get an answer but it's you know that we come to some catharsis i think sort of almost <laughs> let's see all right well for our next section then that was a great summary thank you tim we're going to talk about <laughs> what worked so here we go what worked it worked like a charm Smith. <laughs> what worked? Did you have a train you wanted to continue there? Should we just get off some of the the obvious things first? Uh, let's backtrack. Let's do some obvious stuff because I think, yeah. Well, it's such almost like a play. We got to just shout out the performances first and foremost. I feel like each Man. one of them, and I say each one of them, meaning of course our two leads, Christopher Abbott as Reed and Mia Wasikowska, if that's how you say her name, as Jackie. And then the real like supporting player just made so much of her moments was uh, Mona Reed's wife, who's yeah. played by Layla Costa. She I like I think it's I think it's Leah. I don't L-A- know actually. L A I A. She's Spanish. Yeah. Anyway, she Laya? like that. <laughs> either way she was great that um that like midpoint i don't know if it's a midpoint scene but towards the Seems middle about right yeah when it's one of the fun fun little 
twist things that made me perk up is when it turns out she's in on his plans. We think he's like, he's treating it like an affair. He's going behind her back. And then, or is she? Oh, he's just right. He's just talking to her as a, a voice in his head for advice. Well, I love, I love the ambiguity of that scene. You know what? That would actually work, Tim, because (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess what would what I'm saying what would work is her her job that she I mean her acting is just so naturalistic and like brought me right yes. in and what I noticed something about his acting too that would be reflective as far as how he is how he's someone I buy being able to accurately picture how someone would actually be is because when he's rehearsing the scenes in the hotel at the beginning for how to kill her. It's like, you wouldn't know that she's not there. If you were just watching one shot as a movie, like he is acting so well in that moment in the meta sense, you know, which is is then just great in the, the non meta sense for his performance too. This is some of, I don't know. This is some of the better acting. I mean, these three actors are, Really, really fantastic. I've seen, uh, I've seen him before for sure. He was in, um, it comes at night and he's great in it. Okay. Like he is re uh, that movie's great too, but he is phenomenally good in, in it comes at night. So I was not surprised that he was phenomenal in this as well. Um, Mia Wasikowska, uh, I've seen, but I, I don't know much about, I can't, I couldn't really remember where she's the lead in Crimson Peak. Yeah. But she's also the lead in the one that you suggested. I watch Stoker. Right. That's right. Stoker is so good and so under like appreciated. I think, um, that movie is fucking great. And honestly, <laughs> more people need to know about it. I love that movie. Anyway, so she is great. Um, I still haven't finished Crimson Peak, so you know, and it's its own thing. So it's it's less about I think the acting and more about the and the, lest we forget the, the the billion dollar grocer Alice in Wonderland. She's in that, and its sequel is Alice. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Um, so, but everybody's so good, and and uh, the, the Spanish woman who plays Mona, whose name we can't pronounce because we're dumb. Um, she, our friend Mikey, raved and raved and raved about her because she's in that movie Victoria. Do you know about this know movie? It. No. He, I, I think I need to see it honestly now that I've seen her because our friend was like, "Dude, this this actress is unbelievable in this movie, and how did she not get more recognition?" Blah blah blah. And I kind of just wrote it off to him being a he. He's a very excitable person, and so I was like, "Okay, you know, he's just excited." But now I'm like, okay, he was probably on to something because <laughs> <laughs> she is quite good in a very, very minimal role in this. Uh, yeah. So I could I, I get it. Anyway, that's all to say that like that's that stuff just by itself. These actors are phenomenal, but they are this, the what they're doing in the context of the writing of the film and the filming of the film is so good. Everything's so cohesive and like. It it all fits so well. I don't almost know how to explain how you get that to work. Like why? I mean, I 
one thing they're doing so well is as disparate as some of the their their previous actions like seem to like whatever moment they're watching like they're just they really are cat and mousing each other you know yeah there there is some kind of continuity of sense and through line that they're holding on to in their performance like yeah they're just at the hospital and then they and she was just stabbing herself in the leg repeatedly and then this happened now they're back at her place and she was talking about soup yet this is that's so just not the next moment we're on to yet they make all that work somehow it really does i think it's a testament to the director being able to i mean it is the writing the writing is really really good because the writing constantly keeps us kind of off our pins so to speak like we're we're tipping back and forth constantly and I love that. But in the filming of that uh, reality, we're really, it's really intimately filmed, which I love. It's filmed in a lot of ways. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, what's that? Um, I think this, it's sort of like a European romance filming like uh i don't know what to compare it to exactly like we're we're pretty up in their faces a lot but then we get these moments that it's 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 <laughs> you have this weird cool du duality i think in how it's filmed where you go from these really intimate close-ups that are really pretty and we get to really be in with the person's face and feeling what they're feeling and then we pop out to these really, really beautiful pastiches of like often very close symmetry shots of the set that are generally speaking, like I was saying, just a little off center. And they're they're almost Wes Anderson feeling. Which I love. And I don't know, there's there's just a lot everything is sort of adding up to this vibe like the art direction the set the sort of uh um the coloring all of those things are creating this dual dual feeling of wow that's really beautiful but also a little unsettling and i think yeah. that they're doing that in the performance as well and they're capturing that in the filming of it. It's so you you kind of have this this discomfort and comfort, <laughs> I guess, with everything in the movie constantly, which is so cool to me because like if you are talking about thematically fetishism, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the idea of having fetishes is that in a way, fetishes are a, a, a method to actually keep some distance from, from actual intimacy. But it's cased in this idea of that it's intimate to do these things that, that are whatever they are, right? Like if you're into this, that, or the other thing, the focus becomes the fetish. And that's a way to distance yourself from actual intimacy. I don't know, because that... That 
I see it as the opposite because, like, if you're talking about role playing or something, like, okay, wait, you have something else to say. Sorry. Well, I think at at its foundation that that's what's actually going on with fetishes, but how that experience plays out is almost it's almost what I think you're kind of getting at. The we interpret the outcome differently than that what i think is the fundamental sort of truth of what fetishes are accomplishing so it's this it, again it is this duality of comfort and discomfort at the same time i i yeah i i guess i i disagree i think i think fetishism it's like i i don't think it's less intimate i think it's more intimate because you're accessing parts of yourselves that are more like open and honest or desired. Um, but I, I think, <laughs> I think that that, I think that that would come down to how you define intimacy. Okay. I mean, I think of it as a more like a, whatever's more open and honest exchange of just your in the moment self or, and, and as well as sides of yourselves. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not an expert in it, but I I my <laughs> personal take on intimacy and on fetishism is that it it is it is a bit of a a obstruction toward well, what I my version of true intimacy would be. So I Let's think, put it that way. I think the ending gets at these two people have reached a true intimacy in the way I, that maybe he and his wife haven't. Because I agree, I think that's the, the I think that's the success of of where this the the whirlpool of this movie gets to. Like that is the fucking the drain or whatever of the story is yeah. that we get to this point where it's all kind of coalescing at this moment of oh we get each other, mm-hmm. and that is intimacy. I think right, right. So. Which you can only get to a lot of the times if you're exploring each other's fetishes. You see? That may or may not be true. <laughs> but I agree that that's a possible possible well, way to look at it. <laughs> I, I do agree that the end outcome, though, as far as like taking, what did you put? Not the, not the good with the bad, but these two different extremes of you yeah, could comfort say. comfort and discomfort. Comfort, discomfort, pain and pleasure, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. It's all built in there. Um, another, I mean... Could that even be, you know, you mentioned the art design and the production design, all that stuff. Like I loved wholeheartedly right next to the performances where kind of speaking of, you know, the the dualism dichotomy or whatever, the way the buildings all looked like they looked like models, but at the same time, right. But at the same time, they weren't, they didn't look fake, you know, like as in. As in, like, when the pigeons were flying by? Like, I feel like I've seen in movies where it's, like, CG skyline shot that's supposed to be real buildings and pigeons fly by, and I go, that (laughs) looks fake. But here it looked like it brought me, it, like, made it seem real in a way. And I guess what I will say, why I didn't say outwardly, like, you know, they are all models. Is this because there was the fun of there were some shots in there, Tim? Do you remember when they pulled up in the taxi out by the hospital mm-hmm. and there were like all the buildings behind them? I'm like, those look fake like before, but at the same time, they don't. They also just look like really well lit 
actual yeah. buildings. I thought I the just, same thing. My brain just couldn't decide which they were, and that was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, at first I was like, man, those look like models, buildings. Oh, but maybe they're just, you know, it's 2018. Like, we, we're pretty good. If you get the right CGI person, we can make that digitally and make it look like a model. And I was like, so wow, I don't know. Which did they do? And then in the credits, you see that there is an actual model, like miniature <laughs> team. Right. And I was like, but, oh, shit, they made them. They're real. Like, they're physically real in space things that they shot in d- camera. Th- That's fucking that cool. I mean, does, I mean, of course, yeah, some of those shots that were clearly that, but it wasn't so obvious, like in that one moment. It felt no, like I it know. Really and so be. then you get that. That's an even more impressive sort of, well, feat one way or the other, however they did it, whether they comped in models into that shot, which is possible, or they just found a location that really, really works for that aesthetic. Yeah. Both work really, really well. It's lit so well. The whole movie looks so fucking good. There's only like one thing in the entire movie that I was like, that could be better in terms of look. Well, man, I got to mention, I mean, so the models, whatever, those count as the exterior and they're all working to put us in this, in a movie world. You know, I like to use it like storybook world or making it feel like a play, but it's a movie world that it puts us into, which just worked so well for the kind of, um, well, maybe this, this author's writing, it gets to a similar sort of you know, what's real, what's not place, mm. not as explicitly as audition, but it definitely the aesthetics lent itself to that, that thing, which, um, but I just got to mention the interiors too, Tim. I loved so much of the set design, the art design, both the hotel and her apartment were like, oh, I want to stay here. I want to live here in a way like, but there's Man. still an eeriness to them, but I like exactly. that, you know, I, there, uh, her, her, apartment i guess it's an apartment it feels like it's a hotel room in and of itself in it a way, felt but... like the uh it reminded me i haven't seen it for a bit but it reminded me of the blue velvet apartment you know where it all oh. goes down <laughs> yeah her apartment yeah. yeah i really really love it 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 may it's such a weird thing to think of but it made me think of uh i think it's probably the context of the movie too but it made me kind of think of um, there's a hotel in Los Angeles that is, this is dark, that is famous for a woman kind of mysterious, acting mysteriously and then disappearing. And they ended up finding her body in the water tower, uh, tank on top of the hotel and she had died. Um, and there's this borderline, I guess, sort of art deco-ness. It's like an era, but everything's a little worn and uh, everything's saturated. Like, and I mean that, like, I feel like the wood has saturated uh, whatever years of just people living there. Um. It's all in burgundies and browns and like navies. I loved like, into the hotel room the the like the full 
vintage collection of National Geographics filling those deep shelves. <laughs> Dude, I mean, stuff like that. I don't know even really where or why you come to that as your design stuff, but fuck, it works so, so, so well. Her apartment, the carpet, and those like psychedelic inlays behind the glass shelves. Oh my God, I loved it. Yeah. That the the like transitional uh design of the wall between the living area and the kitchen, it's like a couple steps up and you get these like kind of curved it's not a banister, but it's like I don't know what you call it, honestly. But there's just <laughs> all of that design stuff, it's so pleasing. And it yes. and like you said, it's it is off putting in a we- weird way too. Like it's that same thing. It's like comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time. It's and 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 like I said, like the context of what's happening adds to that because I mean, it's really this is a really good example of matching tone visually to the content of of the character's actions. Mm-hmm. And I I just love that because you could shoot this a totally different way, right? You could you could have it be in uh, contrast to where the characters are and 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 light it really brightly and have it be like you know nice sort of comfortable colors like bright colors, lots of like I don't know blue like light blues and and I don't know sort of pale yellows and stuff like that, and that would in a certain way, potentially make us kind of feel like, oh, this is all kind of safe and warm and and pleasant. And I think that's a, that is a cool direct, you could go in that direction, but something th- this, here, this other way, whoo, it works so what well. It, what it's doing, the, 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 the locations, the colors, all that, it feels like it's a good place in that it feels supportive of exploring fetishes. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> yes, I, I, yes, it does. It's like it really does work that you go, oh, yeah, if this is if this is the room that we're going to do this in. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. A person in leather does not look out of place in these rooms, you know, right, like, right. <laughs> oh, man, the yellow phone of the hotel. Right. That was a cool Ooh. phone. So good. Like, all of that shit is really, really good. Well, clearly we could go on about this production yeah. design. Um, but I just had a quick list of things that were, like, moments I really perked up that were like, mm. okay, here's here's the movie happening. It's just, you know, the, the kept me going kind of moments. Towards the beginning, of course, the baby talking. Which, <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> which... There, that's a first indication of like, this is where I'm waiting for the movie to go kind of thing, you know, yeah. what I was wanting. Um, then that did kind of, that first twist of, yeah, we're like, where's this going when she's in the hotel room with him and they're first talking and she goes to take a shower, okay? And she's stabbing herself. It's like she's already doing the self-harm that he was planning on inflicting on her. Like what a yeah. just sort of on point thematically wrench to throw in the gears. It was great. Um, yeah. And then what we already talked about, the I mean, I never I wasn't reading it in the moment as a possible uh that he was imagining it, but the idea of his wife being in on it too. Um the location move just to her apartment was great. You know, we, mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought for a bit we might be in the hotel the whole time. But you know, changes the power dynamic in a fun way. Um and then also her drugging him, which is just yeah. 
you know, knowing his plan going in is such just, uh, well, there's, there goes that in a way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that thematic thing of like predator prey reversal is so fun. And they yeah. do a really good job of not making it kind of cliche or dorky. It, it, it just feels appropriate. And I think that's because the characters are so well constructed. Mm-hmm. Like you totally, I, I felt like I understood all of the characters' point of view within seconds of meeting them. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. The other uh, just a little um, moment I really liked was the difference we hear in her employer, quote, pimp, whoever it is, when the business talks to him and takes his call. Oh, sure. Uh, yes, we should have someone there in about an hour. And then <laughs> right. we get the message she receives on the other side. And it's this disgusting, abusive, like get over there. And you're just like, ugh. um, anyway, I, that's just another moment stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the, the next big moment that really hit was when we start to kind of dive into his psychosis and yeah. his flashback sequence or dream sequence, I guess when he's drugged. Well, that's that when it, ho- Right, that w- the moment he's drugged is like it was the the comparison akin to an audition, you know, when that's in the hotel room and he gets and yeah. then everything turns similar. Um, but that was uh, I was kind of like a here we go kind of thing, you know. Yep. Yeah, I really love it. I love he, you know part of it too is that you can you can get in trouble when you do this sort of like. Uh, <laughs> How would you describe this way of storytelling? You're kind of in a dream, but everything is everything is symbolic. Mm-hmm. And so all of the imagery and what he's seen is is actually us as an audience being able to have the onion peeled back and see where his psychosis is kind of coming from, but all within this dream-like, you know seemingly kind of random and and bizarre imagery i I love that those moments in movies like they're very exciting to me because in a way it's like all bets are off but you have the foundational storytelling uh that you're trying to get across and you can do it in metaphor and you can do it literally and you can kind of it's a dream so you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want which i love and kind of i mean and this is where maybe you know i got to give it the credit for saying is is doing the thing that I wanted more of, or it wasn't doing enough of where I like, is that that's presumably his mother, maybe who's the woman in those, those shots. Anyway, we get some sort of like something as a kid or a young, like a young teenager. But I think he was a kid was like, there's shit going down that involved violence and piercing and possible. death. Yeah. I think the ambiguity actually helps because we don't need, we do not need direct answers. We need thematic or, um, broad strokes. And since it's a dream, you can kind of mix and match. You don't, it doesn't all need to be literal, but what we do get is that there was some pretty bad abuse, some lack of boundaries, um, some you know sexual sexualization at at a young age and there was violence and whether or not any of that actually happened to him we know that it's in his 
psychosis, right? Like it's in his psyche, I guess is a better way of saying it. And so it accomplishes in a really pleasing visual way just us getting on board with kind of who he is and where his brain actually is at. It, it he, We should not like him, right? Like on paper, he's he's psychotic. He's definitely a psychopathic murderer. And so we fundamentally should not like him. But understanding him, and this is actually kind of one of the main reasons I enjoy true crime and and stuff like that so much and actually go down the rabbit hole of like serial killers is because what's I, I don't like serial killers, but I am fascinated by the psychology of how a human being gets to a point of doing such awful things. Well, and and I, I think this movie actually gives us kind of a window into that in a way. And to make us go, yeah, he's still – that's why the, the ending actually is great in this respect because it, it allows us – the whole movie allows us to see two people that ostensibly we should not like and we understand them at least on some level enough to be like, OK, I get it. Like they're human beings and as troubled as they may be, they're having a human connective moment and that's important. Right. Right. And I, I love all of that. Um, but even sort of kind of go back to the dream sequence, the metaphor of <laughs> like the the him killing the older woman or whatever in the bathtub and having the room fill up with like sewer water and him drowning and having the little. Mm-hmm. What is that little thing? Do you think the what? There's that little creature that comes out of the oh, toilet. Right. What do you think that is? That one, I'm I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I think it's cool. I think it's just supposed to be like, it just is exactly how it makes you feel. It's like a little gross creature that crawls out of the toilet. It's just supposed to be blackness. It's like his shame, in a way. I mean, I think you could could call it a bunch of different things, but it it accomplishes that thing where it's sort of both. Yeah. I loved when it like let out like what it actually did. It didn't bite him. It like let out this like veiny, like yeah. viscous liquid that was running into his eye. Oh, so good. I love that because it's so up for interpretation. Yeah. And it it's great. See, so that's that a whole stuff sequence. That, yeah. That's the movie. You that's, know what I mean? To me, that's, that's when it. it finally caught up to the promise yeah. of the talking baby at the beginning. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Um, and, and when you were kind of talking about, you know, getting his background, his psyche, his psychosis, w- a little moment or a little touch that did a lot for me as far as just who is this guy and how do I, and navigating how you feel about him at any given moment was, I forget if it was just in his journal, but if he said it, but there was some kind of admission on his part to, you know, he probably does, uh, or I think, yeah, it's written. He goes, that would probably be totally okay if, um, I did if my plans did fail and she ended up killing me like would that really be right. such a bad thing that's right like yeah. where he totally admits it's a sort of an admission to this is all just a sort of desire based thing and the morale there is no morality outside of it as if you know if he's killing someone there's nothing saying that well the better outcome is he doesn't or someone kills him you know what I'm saying right yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of puts in in 
into focus a little bit more the metaphor of what that little creature is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the squirmy, gross, uh, um, sticky, infectious, uh, nastiness inside of us that that mm-hmm. that we're bad that we don't want to get into us, and we want to keep it away from us all the time. But you know, sometimes it gets you. <laughs> It it squirts its little viscous veiny <laughs> fluid into your eye. Yeah, um, talking about I mean, it just I by the sorry <laughs> I love when we suddenly cut when he's first hallucinating. We just cut hard cut to two people in full head to toe leather, just going just plowing into each other in the bathroom. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that cracked me up because it's a little cartoonish. Yeah, they're going a little fast. <laughs> uh-huh. I loved it. You know, it feels like it could definitely be some weird memory as a kid or something like that. Something he yeah. walked into. Um, and where then a bug, creature, monster did or did not crawl out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just other, other, I, I guess I got to give credit where credit was due just as far as like, it sounds so simple to do, but getting across that that visceralness of needles and points and blades mm-hmm. and just feeling mm-hmm. it and just going and just getting that visceral reaction out of me whether it was when we first saw her stabbing her leg and i just you know like oh jeez stop um and then there's these wonderful close-ups where it's towing that line of you know, almost when we see someone getting stabbed, we're able to go, it's just an effect. But when we see, in this case, the ice pick, like kind of, um, you know, at a, at a good amount of pressure gliding along someone's torso, there's oh, yeah. th- that's real. And we feel like, oh, if there was just that much more pressure, it would penetrate. Well, and they did a very brilliant thing, I think, in... When you show her piercing her nipple, we get the the visceral reality of how much pressure it takes to penetrate the the layer of skin. And the it's a cathartic kind of thing, right? Like you're pushing, 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 and then boom, it pops through, right? That by showing that in this sort of smaller way. It primes our brains for that feeling of of the moment that the skin actually breaks and is penetrated. Mm-hmm. And so when she's holding the ice pick and, and pushing it against his torso late, like moments later, we have just been so primed for that cathartic um, moment of penetration where it actually pierces the skin that – our brains are just going, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then having it not actually happen is is a pretty ballsy thing to do. But I think is right, right? Like it's it's the – it speaks sort of back to the fetish thing. It's the anticipation of a thing. You know, uh, uh, one ver- – like one aspect of, of the fetish stuff is that, you know – uh, the teasing nature of things or the the torturish ish na- torturish nature of is it going to happen are you going to go through with it uh, like when is the the moment of of like impact or catharsis or in this case piercing going to actually occur it is 
tantamount to the moment of of uh, climax, right? Like this release moment will happen when the skin is pierced. And yeah. so all of that build up and anticipation for that is really effective. And I think is having it end there is accomplishing something effective. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> um, yeah, that when she when she pierces her nipple, that got to me in a way where like I didn't have that separation of this is only a movie because as soon as I tried to get in that safe place, I'm like, wait, people actually do this to themselves. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, yeah, <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that, that's kind of wraps up what I have too. Is anything else forever hold your? Uh, I'm sort of... I'm I'm pretty well. It's good. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and fun. Um, all right. Well, then for our next section, we'll see if there was anything that did not work for us in what did not work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. Well, like we mentioned at the beginning, I still couldn't help but feel like I was wanting more and in a not good way, because that is also can be a very good thing left wanting more. Maybe I got to see it again. I don't know. I just I was wanting to know more about them in a way I was I was wanting to be a bit more plugged into their motivations for each moment um, or for each, each action, you know, crazy action they took. Like I was enjoying the back and forth, but I just, I was just felt a little behind and in a not good way, which usually I'm saying these are all things that I do like. So that's why I'm a little at a loss too. Yeah. I mean, do you think that this movie it's eight, it's 81 minutes, right? It's brisk, which I love, but five more minutes. I think would have made it would have made me not feel like I'm I was missing out on some finality. Yeah, just yeah, five more and minutes. I, just to I don't chunk know what those that. five minutes should be. Yeah, just something. I mean, if if we kind of said you know it, the end point was them experiencing intimacy where sort of a mutual understanding or intimacy with each other. I just something that could have gotten us to that point, like a little more. I don't know. You know why I think it it actually, it, it, it leaves us with this feeling is that we kind of have, um, let's see, one, two, three. We kind of have like four, setups in a way of potential final outcomes one is some sort of well is the setup of his family relationship so that never there's no resolution to that in any way yeah two is his goal which is to kill her yeah that's never it's not well i guess it's resolved in that he doesn't kill her um but we don't get sort of like a a final sort of whatever something to that arc. Yeah. Sh- three is her relationship with her pimp or just her relationship with this 
lifestyle as a thing. That we don't really get sort of a a final like. Right. I feel as like as a character, she doesn't her arc doesn't sort of come to a decision point. I, I wonder if in the book there's just sort of these other more emotional arcs. That that's right. usually how you do it. If you don't finish these literal arcs, you have to just that have it be all in service of an emotional arc. And yeah. that's just still what felt like just kind of took me by surprise of not getting or I don't know. Yeah, and I think the fourth one would be sort of a reversal that that there is a ultimate consequence for Reed, the guy. And that could be any number of things. You know, you could have a coda scene where she's, you know, she's disposing of his body in some way. And so we kind of go, oh, that's where it went. And he got, in a way, maybe he got what he deserved because his intention was to do something terrible. And it it didn't work out. In fact, it it backfired. Right. And we did not... We did not mention he gets really beat up by her. <laughs> he gets Oh yeah. With uh with what oh, is that yeah, called? A can opener. It's a can opener she uses. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets some deep wide gashes all along his uh visage. You know, and, and or I guess there's a sort of another option, a fifth option could be some sort of coda of their existence like where this leads for the two of them. Um, I don't, I'm not saying you need any of those things. Yeah. By any means. Um, it's a little like putting a bow on the, on it that I, I'm not advocating for that in, in general, but I think it's, you know, it's a fine line to, have an abrupt ending without an overt catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. And I know even it's just ballsy. I, I, I kind of feel, you know, I, I enjoy it and I don't enjoy it, which speaks to the fucking themes of the movies. So I'm like, right. well, it kind of works. <laughs> I guess so in that sense. I know, but just even as far as the level that I thought the violence was going to go, didn't reach there. If that was an arc too, you know, or a trajectory more so. Yeah. Um, like, well, it's a good example. So there's this, uh, there's sort of an almost nihilist, nah, is it nihilistic? Feudalistic. I guess it's sort of feudalistic tone to the ending of like, this is, like, we've come to this agreement and it's, it's, there's a futility as well as a kind of hopefulness. It's very, it's very, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Maybe it is just how we're so trained based on running time too, that it did just feel oh, short that's in that sense. Yeah. But I could see a scene where in some way we get that same kind of feeling and it would feel, to me it would fit with this story where it's sort of like, we feel like we've come to this intimate moment and we see the two of them kind of accepting and enjoying the 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 ride that we all just went on and then an, a totally external thing occurs but i think that would be you know it would speak to his character arc to me 
or or that she you know she just kills herself in that moment she puts the pick through her throat and then that's it what it would do to me and it would make me feel satisfied is that we spent all this time with this guy who's planning to do this awful thing to kill another human being and in the moment where he as a character has actually kind of accepted and been accepted by another human being for what he actually is the thing that he wanted originally happens like in in simplest simplest form she dies but not by his hand and that to me is a it's irony which is i think always a good thing to have but it's also tragic but it's tragic in a good way in this case because like like he shouldn't kill people people shouldn't kill people <laughs> yeah and to That's... have that thing that he desired so much taken away from him would make me feel resolved i would feel like it would be powerful to me it would feel cathartic and feel impactful and tragic and like there would be finality to it yeah i i not having that is okay Uh, yeah i I, as a sensibility it's something (laughs) i like and want i think um for me it was more just about how could that i like the end moment where it is just sort of you know it's it's an end moment because it's sort of cutting you off at a surprise point so i'm just thinking how in terms of more how to make that work and i just Mm. think that's why I just think it has more something because I wouldn't want to necessarily I like what you're saying and it's fun to picture, you know, but it just doesn't seem like this movie for me. I, I do think that ending oh, works of they've reached some kind of equilibrium and we can't and that's what it's about. And it's it's sort of whether one gets more comeuppance or one that gets more power over the other. That's, you know, aside the point, you know, who quote unquote wins you know that's not the thing so for me it's interesting it's it's just like about how do you get to how do you just make that you just feel that gut punch a little more when it does cut cut off and i think that yeah just has something to do with even maybe if it was a more of a a back and forth like if they had more because like we we kind of fall into the rhythm we kind of like without us even realizing or maybe it's just that it's not enough to fall into the rhythm of like you know, she takes control of him, then he, he, you know, gets unties, it's sort of this back and forth, but it's not this like battle per se, you know, if, but if we had actually followed, fallen into some kind of more back and forth rhythm so that when they sort of reach an equilibrium, we were sort of realized, oh, well, the point is there could just go back and forth forever. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't enough going back and forth, you know, to sort of cement that. I think they could have leaned in. It would have been an added 30 seconds or less of the of that final moment. But they could have leaned in a little bit on the fact that she's holding the ice pick. Mm-hmm. And if his hand goes to the pick or goes on top of her hand and they have just just the fleeting back and forth of of understanding in that moment that who gets to have the power to push the thing through him. Mm-hmm. And if you if you milk that moment properly, there's lots of op- options, but I think ultimately you would want us to see that nonverbal communication between the two of them and have his hand come back off of the thing 
right before she puts you just see just the suggestion of her putting her weight into it we could be looking at her face yeah but you start to see just her shoulders start to dip her you know her head start to push forward a little bit like she's about to put it in and then you and you cut to fucking black there we we will feel effectively like the cutting to black is the piercing of the skin moment yeah I think maybe, and I think we could have yeah. just milk just milk it. It's there. It's pretty much there. That's that's great for the more um, for the more like out and out horror version, which this was very like mm. uh, mm. giallo inspired. Yeah, I feel like you. you if this is about um, a fetish that is about inflicting harm on another person, like why not just push that all like have it so they take each other to the limits where they will die if they go mm. any further and then mm. that's when they both stop because they kind of have a moment of well we've reached a sort of actual life or death equilibrium in this moment and we're both you know yep, that's that's what that's a direction i don't know that just came to mind and then we cut we hard cut to them just putting their clothes back on like nothing happened <laughs> He like packs up his bag and you know walks out the door and ooh that that's an end to that arc. He still gets his uh, somewhat of a thrill without actually needing to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, lots of options, obviously, but yeah, I, I I think so. Obviously, we're talking about what didn't work. When you're at this point where you're like wanting, you're chomping at the bit for just a little bit more. You know, it's not to say that the 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 ending as is is bad. I don't believe that. I think there's a lot of good in the ending that that exists. But wanting that much more and being able to come up with options that would have been fulfilling, I think does speak to it's like we just didn't quite yeah. get right there. But, you know, so be it. It's fine. <laughs> great well if that's it for i have that one it? other thing okay the only other thing was just a technical thing i just was bummed out by the creature uh cgi i it like just, it, it, it has mm. yeah it was so close i actually very close i actually liked it it was it was it did that thing where i don't know what it's called where they something about like I don't. It looked better than most stuff like that. I thought. Sure. Um, so that's why it didn't bother me quite as much. But it was um, a shading issue to me. Well, like there's just in in the in the construction of the CGI, it felt like it was like almost missing a layer of shading that would have made it a little more photorealistic in it. the space, and the, that bummed me out because I was only, like, "Ooh, that's cool. I that like was, the design." Yeah, I mean that. I was just kind of like whatever because I, it's a surprise if CG like that does look great, you know. Yeah, um, it's also a dream, so whatever. Yeah, but the one that did bug me was in that dream sequence too. I guess it, it's the older woman, maybe his mother, who they have the, um, they have like the the sort of gutted stab injury on their stomach, mm -hmm. yeah, and it didn't look great. Yeah, it was. It just had this weird like CG like pushing it over the top, just kind of like bulbing going yeah. on. And that Guys, was just like, just do it without effects. that. It would have yeah, been better. That one would have been fucking fine for a practical effect. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, though, for me. Honestly, this, I think it's a good movie. Great. I, well, I think we need to talk about Nicholas. Nicholas. All right. Well, then let's do that in our next section. 
known as Things of Note. Things of Note! (laughs) This should be interesting. I just feel like we... I'm pretty sure we were pretty good about saying, you know, it's not necessarily all on him with the grudge. Yeah, so so some context. We are three for three for covering uh, all three of Nicholas Pesci's Pesci's films, feature films on this show. So we did The Eyes of My Mother and now his middle film. Which we liked. Yes, we really liked. Still my favorite out of his, I think. And then Piercing we just did. And then... Uh, I was far from impressed with the grudge, which Tim and I get into, but the the most egregious aspects of it were all the stuff that felt like desperate studio meddling. So mm-hmm. we like to assume that that is exactly what it was. And we talked about that, right? Like I was trying to remember our conversation. Like we didn't have anything to confirm or deny that that was the reality, but other than our own sense of things. But this movie, to me, really, really confirms or potentially confirms that reality. That grudge movie is not a Nicholas Pesci movie. It's Mm -hmm. not. There's no fucking way. Mm -hmm. There's no way that that movie, what we saw in the grudge, was his intention. Yeah. After seeing Eyes of My Mother and this, no fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) he's there's it's just not it's not conceivable some somebody else made him do things or just took over and changed the movie he wanted to make and you know he wasn't allowed to say anything about it because that would be unprofessional and his name probably shouldn't even be on the the directed by for the grudge because I just don't believe that he made that movie. I think he made a completely different movie and the studio freaked the fuck out because it was too art house or whatever they whatever dumb label they want to put on it. And they chopped it the fuck up, reshot a bunch of jump scares and fucking called it a day. And threw him under the bus. And added all those jump scare sound effects every 12 seconds. Exactly. I don't believe it. I would love to see his version of that movie. Or at least just get some sort of sense of of the reality of how that went. But I have... This is all to say I'm sorry if (laughs) I made anybody think that he was not good. Because he is fucking good. And that Grudge movie is not a good indication of him (laughs) as a filmmaker. I like to have a feeling, Tim, we're going to have an opportunity to ask him privately someday. Hell yeah. Um, We could track him down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the only other uh, thing of note that I had here was talking about the Giallo influence. Wears Hmm. it on its sleeve. They use uh, Goblin's main theme that they wrote for Deep Red, which we've covered on the show, too. I knew I had heard it before, too. I was like, I know this song. It sounds just like the Exorcist theme, but it's not exactly. That's right. Um, It's like a hair different from the Exorcist theme, but it's that same 5-4 rhythm. Anyway, so they used, I don't know if it was the actual version or just a sort of um, slight remix of it or whatever, but yeah, they used the theme from Deep Red, um, getting us into the mood for this movie at the beginning. I loved I loved all the music choices in this. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, some good stuff. The other thing that it really came to mind that was more to me noteworthy is um, the use of that split screen stuff. I I feel like potentially he was really kind of drawing off of um, kind of a De Palma vibe. This movie feels like a modern day Brian De Palma movie to me. Yeah, and, I could see that. And I really, really like it. Like, it's, yeah, it's like it's like the it's like taking a De Palma film and graduating into like a new realm within that thing. Well, yeah, we I, well, I we covered it. We covered Sisters on the show, which we talked a lot yeah. about the split screen and that. Yeah, so I think you know maybe showing some influences or homage type stuff to to De Palma is possible. Unknown, we can when we talked to to Nicholas, we'll ask him about that yeah. too. But <laughs> I really liked it. I mean, I like that those sort of stylistic choices and the vibe and the music, like that whole thing felt homagey, and I yeah. I like that. Yeah, it was yeah homage without being. Um... Uh, mired or too steeped in it yeah yeah because i remember having this thought of i was like okay you know if you're doing those things if you're doing homage type stuff where's the line between homage and your own original sort of stamp it's but i feel like this has this feels like his movie it does not feel like he's copying somebody else it's it's enough of its own thing that line for me is just like are you using all these things as tools or not? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and he is, and they were, uh, they're effective. Yeah. There is a, there's a moment of push-in. There's a push-in on Reed's face followed directly by a push-in on the phone. And fuck, it, it feels so good and so like early 80s, maybe late 70s. But I fucking love it. Like, and of course, like, that's the era that I love the most in horror. So, like, of course, it's feeding into that for me. You know, like, 76 to 84 is basically, like, everything I love. So, yeah, maybe it's just that. But I, I, I love the style. So, good job. (laughs) Great. You did it. (laughs) All right. Well, if that's it for... Nicholas's film piercing from 20 <laughs> from 2018. Um Tim, we got our recommendations for this week. Anything you'd like to recommend dead that you've Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I watched a movie called uh wait a minute. It's called Scare Me. Scare Me? I watched that too, Tim. Scare me? It is called Scare Me. Okay, good. I fucking loved it. I was just thinking of you during that um i loved it so much (laughs) my favorite bit was honestly the i mean all the leads were great but the sound design i thought was killer it's incredible yeah it's fucking incredible in fact in piercing they do a very similar sound design thing when he when reed is pantomiming out the act of all of the things he's going to do to her they do the sound effects of those actions without her actually being there right so he's like at one point he's sawing her and you hear a saw going through flesh and bone and scare me 
the whole movie is basically predicated on that. It's it's two people in a cabin in the woods, te- like trying to kind of one up each other with scary stories. So they're just narrating a story, but the design and and how they film it is they blur the lines of of just somebody telling it. So like there are scenes when you hear the actual sound effects of what they're describing in their sound uh, in their story or it gets to a point where you actually see the monster that they're telling the story about or bits and pieces of the, the monster. shadow of the monster. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's so fucking cool. So definitely it's on shutter. Go watch it. Great. Scare me. All right. I'm going to recommend dead. Well, I wanted to recommend dead basket case, basket case two and basket case three. So I, <laughs> this means I have to recommend as a trilogy, the basket cases. Um, I have seen the first one before, but then, you know, and love that filmmaker, Frank Henlotter, based off of having then seen Brain Damage. I still got to see Frank and Hooker. But when I'm like, wait, he wrote and directed two, you know, follow-ups to Basket Case? I got to see them. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And um, they did not disappoint. They were far, far from the, they're not the same as the first one, the sequels, but they are an entirely different thing, which I just love so much. In fact, Tim... This is not just excitable uh, praise, but this is, I, I, I can't think of anything else. The third one has what may be my favorite scene in any film wow. ever. Wow. And that is you, a <laughs> bold statement to make. And if you watch it, you will know what it is within a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but, um, there's, yeah, the second and third one, they're just like the best kind of kitschy, ridiculous, like just just like stupid humor fun. I, I love them so much. And the first one's a great grimy cla- low rent classic too. Um it's actually I've seen the first one. His um him and it, Frank Ken Lauder's sensibility reminds me a lot of um the Larry Cohen when we covered the oh, stuff. Yeah. They're yeah, both yeah. just kind of like, yeah, it's it's just these bad horror movies. You got to get it done and you got to, you know, of course it's ridiculous, just but it can it also be scary. It's also funny. They just have these like, go get them, just get it done attitudes. And they just have such a sincere love for stuff that I also love, which is just ridiculous things in essence. Anyway, um, cool. if you haven't considered giving the whole thing a whirl, please do Con- <laughs> <All right. laughs> give the whole basket case trilogy a whirl. Sweet. Well, shall we pull? Yes, Tim, and it's your turn. Is it? Okay, great. Here we go. This one right here. Ooh, Mirrors, it's called. It was submitted by Zach Brown. All right, Zach, I'm going to finally watch uh, Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland, thanks to you. (laughs) So it sounds like you haven't seen it, Tim. No, I have not. It's... um, like a it's like an aughts horror movie that i totally wrote off but uh hey zach okay. wants to hear some some thoughts and reflection on it and that's exactly what we're here to do so cool. i'm looking forward to seeing it great <laughs> all right well until mirrors you can find us wherever you found us we're at dismemberinghorror.com we're we're you know tell, tell your friends to go there yeah. um yeah we got an instagram got a twitter all that fun stuff anything else tim no, just you guys are you're the greatest. All our listeners. And again, Tim does not sound he means it despite him sounding so snarky in his tone. <laughs> I'm really mean it. 
God damn it. What are you doing? I mean it. I'm, so, I'm being so serious. I love each and every one of you, even if you're a serial killer. Well, maybe not. Well, you okay. love the fact that even if they're a serial killer, they chose this podcast to That's listen right. to. That's right. Um, so, yes, no matter who you are or where Don't we find you. Don't be a serial you, killer. Uh, Regardless, we do thank you for being here. So yes, in closing, as I always say, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>